Welcome to episode 113 of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, Editor-in-Chief of Farm Exec Magazine, here along with my co-host, Group Social Media Editor, Miranda Schmalfus. Farm Exec Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, Miranda and I have the pleasure of speaking with Indranil Bagchi, Senior Vice President and Worldwide Head Value and Access at Novartis. Indranil, who's also a member of Pharmaceutical Executives Editorial Advisory Board, talks about the current state of market access and some of the tools that can help reach patients more effectively. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Indranil. Hey, podcasters. This is Nico Saracino, Associate Editor of Pharmaceutical Commerce and co-host of the Pharmaceutical Commerce Podcast. Stay tuned after the episode for a clip of our most recent conversation with Nellie Rose of NFP, an insurance broker and consultant that provides solutions to clients that span numerous industries. She addresses the increase in prescription drug spending along with ways to find more affordable options for driving down pharmacy spend. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I will be interviewing Indranil Bagchi, Senior Vice President and Worldwide Head, Value and Access at Novartis. Indranil is also a Pharmaceutical Executive Editorial Advisory Board member. He's here today to discuss the challenges of reaching patients and what he believes can help improve the situation. Thanks for joining us, Indranil. Absolutely. Yes, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you with us. So how have world events such as COVID and the Ukraine-Russia conflict affected market access? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been about more than two years with COVID. As you can imagine, the whole world has been turned upside down, whether it's economically or health-wise, exposing some of the social disparities that exist in access to medicines and then the morbidity and mortality that follows. There are many unknowns when considering the impact of COVID-19. And the longer the crisis lasts, the greater the budget pressures that payers will face, and ultimately the incremental pressure on pricing and access to medicines. We anticipate reductions in healthcare budgets anywhere between 10 to 25%, both in the US and XUS. And that's primarily due to reduced taxation, rising unemployment, and then also reallocation of funds from existing healthcare activities to more COVID related activities. What we might see is a potential impact on certain therapeutic areas. For example, in oncology, we are already seeing the impact of delayed screenings because COVID-19 patients have not been able to do their preventative checkups. And as a result of delayed screenings and checkups, when patients are getting detected, they're getting detected at a much later stage, which means higher morbidity, mortality, as well as costs going forward. Three months into the war in Ukraine, the healthcare system there is facing multiple challenges with the situation growing more dire each day with limited access to healthcare. Financial and medical help is still needed. Families in Ukraine are suffering. People continue to be displaced in Ukraine and bordering countries like Poland, Romania, and so on and so forth. The seriousness of the humanitarian and health situation cannot be overstated. We as a company, Novartis, we are working diligently to ensure continued supply of our medicines in Ukraine and in neighboring countries, as well as the health of the patients and our colleagues who depend on these medicines is our priority. What are some of your other greatest concerns in reaching patients today? 
Today, manufacturers face significant challenge at launch to consistently and systematically meet the diverse requirements of regulatory bodies versus payers and health technology assessment or HTA bodies. And this often contributes to delayed and or non-equitable access to innovation. While regulators focus on efficacy and safety evidence to assess the benefit risk of the novel product, payers and HTA bodies focus on a number of other clinical and health economic considerations. As such, designing a study suitable for regulatory approval might not always translate into data suitable for a reimbursement decision. To further complicate matters, there are also differences within individual stakeholder groups at the geographical level, with a number of divergences observed among EU versus US regulators and or across different HTA bodies. Different rules, timelines, data requirements for regulatory frameworks, different models for attribution of value and price for health technology assessment agencies, and different leniency to uncertainty and or acceptance of different endpoints across payers and HTA bodies. One way to balance this challenge is to clearly prioritize integrating the needs of patients as well as payers earlier in the development process. This way, we can identify the evidence gaps that need to be addressed and in so doing, help to maximize the value of our medicines across these multiple stakeholders, and most importantly, get needed medicines to patients to enhance and extend their lives. At Novartis, we are creating access solutions that are tailored to individual healthcare systems. These solutions include innovative novel pricing models to make sure medicines reach the patients who need them the most. We're seeing a similar trend across all of pharma. It's important that we have a range of tools, starting from donations to voluntary licensing to tiered pricing to the full commercial model so that we can tailor our approaches to each country and situation. And we're constantly and actively looking for even more customized individualized approaches to meet the specific needs of different stakeholders so that we can ensure broad access on one hand and at the same time be rewarded for the innovation that we bring to society. Talking about other stakeholders, our access to physicians are also severely restricted these days due to COVID. And as a result, we are exploring digital solutions, multi-channel telehealth, and so on and so forth. So to essentially bring physicians up to speed on our medicines and make sure they have the latest tools in their armamentarium as they're trying to treat patients. What was COVID's effect on the use of real-world evidence in the industry? The COVID pandemic brought all stakeholders together to work towards the common goal to achieve timely development and access of COVID-19 vaccines as well as therapies. The rapid regulatory reviews of the vaccines have led to an even more rapid capture of real-world data sets as evolving evidence and evidence emerging post-launch to inform of any safety or efficacy issues. Although real-world evidence could shorten access timelines, we observe differences in the usability as well as the acceptance of real-world evidence for regulatory as well as reimbursement purposes. And some of these drivers are the data standards, what the payers or regulators want to see, how familiar they are working with real-world evidence, and also their concerns about lowering evidence standards. As you know, randomized controlled clinical trials are the gold standard for drug development. Real-world evidence is something that's supposed to complement and supplement the gold standard, which is randomized clinical trial data. 
But in some cases, real-world evidence is seen as lowering. So how do we put real-world evidence in the right picture as a complementary piece to clinical data? That's the piece we need to solve for. That's the piece we need to agree upon. What potential do you see in using machine learning and AI to help patients? That's a great question. We are at the beginning of a digital revolution in healthcare. Sensor data, digital biomarkers, and digital health apps are becoming ubiquitous. By harnessing machine learning and artificial intelligence, I believe that we can significantly help improve outcomes of the patients. They offer more rapid and accurate approach to screening and diagnosis of the patient, leading to higher diagnosis rates and opportunities to treat patients. They can improve prognosis by tracking patients and evaluating genotype, phenotype, as well as environmental risk factors that could cause remissions or recurrence and predict disease progression. In addition, they could offer more personalized treatment by designing the right treatment plan for each patient, including treatment sequencing, given the different patient characteristics and available treatment options, so the right patient can receive the right drug at the right time. What do you feel are the most pressing issues when it comes to pricing today? Yeah, there are quite a few pressing issues when it comes to pricing and access in general. First and foremost, as I mentioned in the beginning, the higher budget scrutiny. Healthcare resource pressure is here to stay, and it actually got further exacerbated by COVID over the last two years. Changing healthcare priorities, given the acute pandemic situation we were in, payers and budget holders may be unwilling to spend on areas like oncology or more kind of chronic diseases versus visible healthcare investment in acute need areas such as infectious diseases. COVID, as well as newer diseases like monkeypox and others that may be emerging. Sustainability of healthcare systems to support an aging population in face of a reduced tax base, that's also a challenge that we'll have to deal with going forward worldwide. Increasing price transparency trends, including reference pricing without any consideration of GDP or socioeconomic status. And then finally, continuous redefinition of value and pricing. Faster changes to standard of care, higher competition, immature launch evidence in many cases, and continuous evidence generation, which may lead to a move from individual health technology assessments to health technology management over time, where benefit ratings, price, and access recommendations can continue to change over the product lifecycle based on new data. Andrew thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting learning about the challenges and opportunities in market access today. Thank you for the opportunity to participate in this very important and timely discussion. And thank you to PharmaExec for continuing to raise relevant and topical issues for discussion with the broader community. Hey, podcasters. This is Nico Saracino, Associate Editor of Pharmaceutical Commerce. And now, a clip from the most recent Pharmaceutical Commerce podcast. Be sure to find the full episode link below. So when you think about financial reprieve, we anticipate an approximate $75 billion in savings by 2030 from the biosimilar market. So a lot of positive, optimistic excitement happening in our industry, and we are looking forward to it.
And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, I'm Indranil Bakshi, Senior Vice President and Worldwide Head of Value and Access here at Novartis. And my leadership tip is follow your passion and never be afraid to take a chance. Even though we often think of career progress as a straight path, it's the slight detours or sideways moves that often pay the richest dividends. So follow your heart and you shall succeed. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Elaine Quilici at E-Q-U-I-L-I-C-I at MJHLifeSciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at T-B-A-K-E-R at MJHLifeSciences.com.